What's going on, church? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Okay, 11.30, 11.30. I, I, I need some more from you this morning. It's already 11.30. Come on, how are you guys doing this morning? Way, way better. Man, well, we're glad you're with us. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Can you guys help me welcome everybody that is joining us from our Lighthouse Point location, everybody that's online. Man, we're so happy you guys are with us today. And uh, man, we're, we're in the final week of a series we're calling This Is Home. And before we dive into today's message, I want to let you know about something that we're, we have coming up here as a church that I think is, is for all of us here. And you know, throughout this year, we have said that our goal as a church, uh, and this year we felt like the Lord really spoke to us and said, hey, this year is about health, it's about getting healthy. And so our goal for the year is, is that we wanna become the healthiest church in South Florida. And so as a church as a whole, that's our goal. But what that means is that every single one of us, in order to become the healthiest church, we have to become the healthiest individuals possible. And so over the last few months, we talked about a lot of different aspects of health. We talked about our spiritual health. We talked about our emotional health. We talked about our financial health. We, we've been hitting on a lot of different areas. And in one area in particular, we have not really, we, we did a singular message on, but we really haven't put a major your focus on it. And it's this idea of our physical health because the goal is to help create a healthy habit that leads to a healthy lifestyle. And so what we have coming up here at the end of this month is we're actually doing, uh, we're calling it your best self challenge. And, and there's actually a, a little sign up here with a QR code on the front of every person's worship guide, whether you're in Lighthouse Point, watching online, it's also behind me. And here's what we'd love for you to do. We'd love you for you to sign up and be a part of this. And it's gonna be based on four aspects of your health that we think are super critical. Uh, one of those is exercise. Like, and you need to ask the question, did I exercise today? Part of that is nutrition. Have you ate your veggies? Part of that is sleep. Like, did you sleep enough? I know we have a whole bunch of students from 12 conference. They haven't slept in days. And, and then, then Bible reading, like, have you gotten into God's word? And we think that these four aspects really set you up to be healthy in life. And here's what we're gonna do as a church. We have an app where we're gonna ask you to participate and every day that you do those four things, you can check off that you did it. And for every one of those things that you did, we'll do donate a dollar to a local, national, or international missions. And so we figured it out if our church participate, if you participate in this and everybody else does, we'll donate somewhere between uh, 50 and $100,000 to missions because you got just participating in making yourselves healthier. Okay, that was a golf clap. Like, I think we can do better than that. And that's above and beyond our normal giving to missions, which this year is going to be somewhere around a half a million dollars. So we can up it to $600,000 to missions around the world, making a difference just by you deciding that this year you're going to get healthy. And we want to help you with that and provide some accountability and some structure to it. So I want to encourage you to participate with us in that endeavor. Sign up and, and let's do this. Let's become the healthiest church in every single aspect of our lives. But today, everybody say today. Today, today we're 
finally finishing out this series called This Is Home. And if you haven't been with us, this series is all about who we are as a church, what we are about, what we're passionate about. And so if you're a guest here with us today, it's a great weekend to be with us because you're going to hear uh, some things that we, we hope will see happen in your life. But we've been saying throughout this series that the one thing that we've realized about our church is that we are not the best church out there. We're not the only church out there. In fact, we're not even competition with other churches. We're actually on the same team as other churches, but we think that we actually have a unique vision and a unique flavor to our church that, that really makes Coastal unique. And we've said from day one, the vision of this church is, is, is simply this. We want to make it hard for people to go to hell by making it easy for them to go to church so they can experience, so they can know, and so they can follow Jesus. If you want to know what the heartbeat of who we are as a church, man, we want to make it hard for people that are out there that don't know Jesus to go to hell because we believe that hell is a real, literal place, and we want to make it easy for them to come to church, our church, any other church that's out there, so that they can experience God, they can know God, and they can follow God. And we've talked a lot over the last couple of weeks about how people can really experience God. And what I want to focus in on today as we conclude this series is I want to talk about the knowing God and, and follow, the knowing Jesus and following Jesus aspect of our lives. Because what a lot of us think in life is that when we've experience salvation. And this is what I love about God. God likes to put the, the cookies on the bottom shelf for everybody in life. And so the first step to knowing God is experiencing a relationship through the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. And a lot of us think that, man, when I experience Jesus and I go to church on a regular basis, like I have arrived, like I have climbed the ladder. The problem is, is, is that if this is all you get to in your spiritual journey, which let me say this, I love the fact that you come to church every week. I love the fact that we're having to add another service at 1245, which starts this weekend, which I just want to say to the people in Parkland, it would be great if you would go to the 1245. There's not a lot of room here at 1130. There's not a lot of room at 1015. So if you wouldn't mind going to 1245 or not even Saturday, Saturday night was packed. If you wouldn't mind going to 1245, it would help us out and equip some more people. And we love that you come to church, but there's so much more to church and your spiritual journey than you just giving your life to Christ and coming to church. Right. I, I equated it like this uh, quite a few years ago. I was going to uh, what I call a global gym, like LA. I was going to the LA Fitness in Coconut Creek. Uh, right there off the saw grass. And I would go and I would work out at the same time every single day. And, and I would do my workout. Then I would go up to the second floor there. They have a second floor. And I would run on the treadmill for about 30 minutes because I needed to get rid of some stubborn fat that just won't seem to leave even no matter how much I run with it. And so one of my favorite things to do while I was running was to people watch at the gym. Has anybody ever people watch at the gym? It's one of the most fascinating experiences on the planet. There is a uniqueness that goes on in the gym. And one of the things that I noticed is I got fixated on this one particular gentleman because he would come into the gym around the same time that I would come into the gym. And he would leave about the same time that I would leave out of the gym almost every single day. And, and so what I noticed as I was up there running is that this guy actually never worked out. 
he would just walk around the gym and talk to his buddy over here on a machine. Then he'd come over here to this machine and talk to another buddy and then talk to another buddy. And then we'd be walking out and he'd be like, you get a good pump? And I'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, how about you? And he'd be like, me too. And I'd be like, you didn't pump anything but your mouth the entire time. And I thought to myself, like, at some point, his spouse has to realize that he spends an enormous amount of time at the gym, but has to notice that nothing is actually changing in his life physically. And it got me thinking that I wonder if the world hears that we have found a relationship with God and knows that we go to church on a weekly basis, but then looks at our life and goes, there's nothing changing in their life, and wonders what's going on in there. Like, how can you say you've been transformed by the personhood of Jesus and go to a place on a weekly basis and look no different, act no different, think no different, talk no different, Like, there's no difference in your life. And I wonder if the world is looking at us going, man, I wonder what's going on there. And here's what I've discovered about people that have a relationship with Jesus that are healthy, is that healthy people grow. Like, there's some transformation that's taking place in their life and and that when they grow, so healthy people grow, but then growing people, you know what's happening? Is they're changing. Here's what I know about following Jesus is he's gonna change how you think. He's gonna change how you act. He's gonna change how you see things. He's gonna change how you treat your spouse. He's gonna change how you parent your children. He's gonna change how you serve other people. He's gonna change how you look at that career. He's gonna change everything about your life because being in a relationship with God is gonna cause some change in your life. And I don't think you can be growing in your relationship with God, Lighthouse Point, and not be changing. In fact, the apostle Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter three. He says, I want to know Christ. That's the goal. As your pastor, I want you to know Christ and to know the power of his resurrection. And we love verses like that. We're like, man, I want to know the power of God in my life. Like that's that's the thing that I want to experience. I want to know what that feels like. We just don't like the second part of the verse where it says, and the participation in his sufferings. Like not a lot of message on the participation in sufferings going on in church today. Why, you know what participation in sufferings is? It's called discipline. Because if you live a disciplined life, then you know discipline hurts and it's painful at times. Like I know when I go work out with a guy that I train with, every time I go, I leave and I'm in pain because I'm sore. Because I did some discipline and I'm sore and I'm in pain in the moment, but two days later I feel better because I see some change. I see a little bit less fat. I see a little bit more muscle. I see my wife liking me more, and that makes me happy. (laughs) 
It says, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow obtaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal. Like the goal isn't that we get to a destination. The goal is that we continue on the process. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. So how do we take hold of a goal and press on towards it? And here's what I know about you because I know this about me. You are what you repeatedly do. Like you are what you repeatedly do. So what you're doing consistently in your life is producing the results of what you're living out right now, church. And if you don't like the results of what is happening, you have to look at what you're repeatedly doing consistently in your life. And because I want you to have a healthy, growing, changing relationship with God that is making you to look more and more like the personhood of Jesus because none of us have obtained that yet. We're all on the goal of getting to look more and more like him. I, I, over the last 22 years, I've studied, like what are the things that I see people that are growing and changing, doing consistently in their spiritual journey so they can be healthy? And I wanna share with you today some things that I think that are gonna be critical for you and I if we are going to obtain the goal of the prize of knowing God and becoming more and more like him on a daily basis. And so these are some essential things that I think that every person needs to have in their life if they're gonna look more and more like Jesus. Oh, wow, these are really mixed up. Okay, cool. Make sure the first step that you're gonna have to take is you're gonna have to read your Bible. I would stand on the step, but I'll just let you know uh, in the 9 a.m. service. This is why you should come to the 9 a.m. service or 1245. I was actually on like a step up here, and all of these collapsed, and I ended up down here. You have to go online and watch it on YouTube. It was awesome, but I landed. I stuck the landing. It was awesome. <laughs> just letting you know. I'm very athletic. I've got the bruises to show you and all. Like, I feel like I was on the cross of Calvary for Jesus today. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you have to read your Bible. Read your Bible. It's amazing to me as a pastor that so many people claim to want to hear God's voice, but will never open up their Bible and read God's voice. And, and I hear the excuses all the time, and it's always the same excuse. I don't have time. Well, that's funny because you watch SportsCenter for three hours, and it's the same program three hours in a row. It's not that you don't have time. It's just that it's not a priority. It, it, it's not a discipline in your life. And, and here's what I know. A lot of people want to pick up this book and go, well, I need direction from God, so I'm going to read God's word. And, and while God's word will provide direction, that's not the reason why we read the Bible. We don't read the Bible to discover what to do because it, the Bible isn't going to tell you who to marry. 
It isn't going to tell you what job to take, students. It's not going to tell you what college to go to. What the Bible is going to do is it's going to help us discover who God is. And we'll never do what God has called us to do if we don't actually know who God is and what, who he has called us to be. So we got to know who he is. That's why verses like Psalms 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. We've heard that. God's word is a lamp and a light. Is it giving us direction? No. It's, 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 it's giving us a focus on who God is. He's a lamp and he is a light. It's, it's not about direction. It's about focusing direction, not necessarily giving direction. And so it's one of the reasons why as a church, we're constantly telling you, man, read God's word. On a daily basis, read God's word. Get on you version, download a Bible reading plan, and get in God's word every single day. Not so that you can have more information, but so that you can know God. It's one of the reasons why we give you uh, quarterly devotionals as a church because we want you to every day spend some time in a devotional and read some scripture. So why? You can get to know God. And I would encourage you, if you're not currently reading your Bible, start. I would encourage you to start in like Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Start in the Gospels and read about Jesus' life so you understand this man that you're surrendering your will and your way to. Like, don't just open it up randomly and go, oh man, I'm just going to read something. Judas, Judas hung himself. Okay, that's not a good verse. Let me go somewhere else. Go and do likewise. That's a bad day right there, okay? No, no, no. Get a plan and, and, and work the plan. And listen, if you don't have a Bible, stop by the hub and we'll give you one. We want to equip you as a church to be successful in your relationship with God. Like, I don't know one person that is consistently growing with Christ that is not reading their Bible on a daily basis. It is, it is a differentiator for Christ followers to do this. Second thing that I want to encourage you to do is, is I want to encourage you to practice confession and repentance. Like this is old school right here. Confession and repentance. Okay, I can't get this in. There we go. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Like this is, we don't talk about this much in church anymore. Like, like we've gotten away from this because, because we become about behavior modification in life. Well, if I just modify my behavior, then everything will be all right. But I want you to know that Jesus and the church is not after modifying your behavior. Like actually God wants nothing to do with modifying your behavior. God is actually wants to transform your heart. He wants to see something change on the inside of you. See, see, our behavior is actually a byproduct of what's going on in our hearts. So when you lash out in anger or you respond in that way or, or, or you're greedy, that, that has all the outside uh, things that we're seeing are symptoms of an inward problem. And so Jesus isn't concerned with your behavior. He's concerned with the source of what's going on in the exterior. So he's focused on the interior. 
So he doesn't care about modifying your behavior because he wants to change your heart because he knows that if he changes your heart, what will happen is your behavior by product wise will change in itself. And here's the one thing you can count on if you give your life to Jesus is he is coming after your heart. And listen, he isn't looking for good people. He's looking for some honest people who are willing to change their ways. And that entails confession, which is getting honest about where you are, and repentance, which is change because it's going, I'm heading this way. I'm going to make a 180 and do something completely different because he's after your heart. He wants you to change your ways, but it starts in your Heart. Ezekiel puts it like this. Some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat down in front of me. It's the equivalent to you and I coming into church and hearing a message, like, because this is important to our faith. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man. He says, These men have set up idols in their heart. Jesus is after your heart, not your behavior, and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all, therefore, that speak to them and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their hearts, again, Jesus is after your hearts, not your behavior, and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel. See a pattern here? He's after your hearts, not your behavior who have all deserted me for their idols. Here, here's modern day translation for you. If there is an idol in your heart, every time you go to church, you are going to hear a message that is dealing with your idol no matter what is being preached in that message. Because people will come here to church every single week and, and they'll say things like, you know what, TJ, all you talk about is, is, is sex before marriage. You want to know why that's what you hear? Because you're having sex before marriage. TJ, all you talk about is, is giving to the church. You want to know why? Because greed is in your hearts. All, all, TJ, all you talk about is serving because time is your idol. And here's what I know. Anytime Jesus puts his hand on a sore spot in your heart, it is going to make you scream because he's pointing out something that needs to be changed. And he's going, man, it's time for you to get real in your life. And so when somebody starts screaming, well, the church only does this or it does that, is revealing something not about the church, it's actually revealing something about your heart because Jesus is after your hearts and not your behavior. It's after your heart. So the question becomes, what is it in your life between you and Jesus right now that you need to confess of and repent of to God and maybe even some other people? Because let me say it like this. You can't continue to be a butthole and follow Jesus. And somebody will say, well, that's not true. No, 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 it is because Jesus is going to change your attitude. He's going to change your mind. He's going to change your thoughts. And if those things are not changing, then the question is, is are we truly following? 
and allowing him to impact the inside of our hearts because Jesus is after our hearts. So what is it in your heart that you aren't willing to give up? Here's the third one, and this is, this is a big deal. This is, this is what we built our church on. It's this idea of community. It's about the people that are in your life. It's a critical component. Because whether you realize it or not, your life is the sum total of your five closest friends. And the people you surround yourself are with are having a astronomical impact on your life. And so if you don't like where your life is right now, look at your reality of your friendships. Because they are taking you somewhere in life. I, I love what Nipsey Hussle says. He says, if you look at the people in your circle and you don't get inspired, then you don't have a circle. You have a cage. And some of you are wondering, like, well, I get to this point where, where I'm, I'm doing good with God and then I tumble all the way down. I, I get up here and then I tumble all the way down. And I would say that maybe it's because the relationships in your life aren't actually building your life up. They're actually pulling your life down. And until, I'm not saying you have to abandon the relationships that you have, but maybe they shouldn't be the priority of your life. It's one of the reasons why we continually tell you, man, get into a group, get into a connect group, get into a connect group. It's not because we want you in a connect group. It's because we want you around a community that has the same goals and values as you that can help build your life to the place where you actually want to go. Because here's what I know. If you have people that are below you, they will constantly pull you down because it's way easier to get pulled down than it is to pull somebody up. In fact, some of you are going, man, I, 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 I want to experience some things, and you, keep, and you keep tumbling down, and the reason you're not experiencing all that God has for you is because of the relationships that are in your life. In fact, in fact I, I would say it like this. Freedom happens through Jesus. It happens when you make a decision that I, of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary through his death, burial, and resurrection. That provides freedom for my life. But the healing that I'm looking for that I can't seem to find, it only happens through your community. That's why James chapter 5, verse 16 says like this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And so here's my question for you. You want to know what your relational world's like? Relational world's like? When you have a problem, are you calling your friends to pray for you? Because if you're not, that's probably a cage and not a circle. And you need some people that when you call them up, they go, Let's pray. And their prayers are powerful and they produce something because they have something behind them called a relationship with Jesus. In fact, I would say that every person needs three relationships in their life. This isn't in your notes, but I think it's important for you to understand. Every one of us needs a, a, a father. Not, I'm not saying a physical father, but a father relationship, somebody that can call you out, somebody that can encourage you, somebody that's further along than you in their faith, in their journey that wants to help you become the man or woman that God has called you to be. 
You also need some brothers. You need some people that you can lock arms with when you're going to battle that will go, I've got your back. I'm right here with you. Man, I, I've got your six. I, we're going to roll together. It says one can put 1,000 on a flight, two can put 10,000 on a flight. You need some people that when you fight together, man, you, you just can overcome the, the, anything that's out there. And then you need some sons. You need some people that now you are pouring into and being a father figure in their life because somebody did that for you. That is the essence of discipleship. This is where discipleship happens. It happens in your relational world. You're not going to find discipleship in a, in a church service. You're not going to find discipleship in a class. You're going to find it in a community. And so I want, I want to encourage some of you because you're, you're going, man, uh, you're, you're pursuing so much in life. And your hope and your life that you're looking found isn't going to be found in your pursuit. It's going to be found in your relationships. Here's the next one. And I, I think that this one is, is everybody's favorite one. It's giving. It's giving. No, no. Woo! Yeah, that's all. No, nothing. No, nobody's excited about that one? Yeah. They, they weren't in any other service either. Let me, let me explain it like this. Uh, we're getting ready for college football season. Any college football fans? Okay, a couple of people. Does anybody listening to anything I'm saying? Okay, okay. I, I know that this is a Portuguese service, so you're a couple minutes behind. You'll start cheering in a second. So, Here's what I know is that, that we're in South Florida. So, so where are all of my U fans at? Where are the U fans? You Okay. Typically, they throw up U's. Uh, where, where are my Gator fans at? Where are you at? Woo! Okay, there's some chomps. Okay, good. Good. Those are, the, those are the college football gang signs right there, the U and the chomp. And so uh, here's what I know is that if you're a fan of the U, you absolutely hate the Florida Gators. And if you're the fan, yeah. some people agree with that. That's that the true fan right there. And if you're a fan of the Gators, you hate the you. Like, if they play each other, like, you're okay with the other team dying. <laughs> Literally. In fact, if, if, if you're not even playing them and they're just playing somebody else, you root for the other team that's playing them because you hate them. Like, you can't pull for them when you're not, like, you are passionate about your team. Why? Because you are sold out to that team. Jesus actually says something very, very similar to this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, like, if I'm the you, you know what happens? I'm invested in the you. I've got the bumper stickers, I've got the license plate, I've got the season tickets. Why? Because where my treasure is, that's where my heart is as well. And here's what I've learned is that, is that you can't truly follow Jesus if your resources are not going to him. In fact, he says it like this three verses later in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he says, you can't serve both God, and you would think he would say, team devil. But he doesn't. He says, you can't serve both God and money. Translation, if you haven't learned how to faithfully give to God, you probably haven't faithfully learned how to follow God. Here's why that's important, because God gave us the model for generosity. And if you were to go to a football game, in fact, if you would have gone to a football game when, when uh, 
Tim Tebow played for the Florida Gators, you would have seen under his eyes a little sign that said JN316, or you would see people with poster boards hold up John 3.16, and if you were to actually go look at that verse like when Tebow did it, and it exploded the internet, they would find out that God so loved the world that he gave. Why? Because the essence of God is generosity, and if we want to look more like God, then generosity should be the essence of our life, because we are not takers, we're givers. How about this one? And this is, this is a difficult one. If you'll notice, they, they all get more difficult as it goes up because you're, you're going to some new levels in life. And that's sharing Christ. Sharing your faith will cause you to grow. Philemon says it like this. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. What's he saying? He's saying, It means when we share our faith because I think the reason we don't fully understand what we have in our relationship with God is because we've never had to explain it to anybody. We've never had to tell anybody what it is that God has actually done. And, and, And because we haven't ever had to explain that to anybody, we don't fully grasp and comprehend the sacrifice and the the breakthrough and the and the overwhelming love of God that we've experienced in our life. And so, so how do we do that? How do we begin to share Christ? I think the greatest thing that you could do personally is you could take some time to go home and write down your testimony. What is it that God has done in your life? How has God changed you and transformed you and set you free and broken that addiction and, 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 and built those relationships in your life? How has he ex- exuded his love in your life? And how have you experienced his mercy and his grace and his kindness and his forgiveness in your life? And I think that as you do that, all of a sudden you'll be overwhelmed with how amazing God has been to you. And when you discover how good God has been to you, you won't be able to shut up and tell everybody else about it because you're like, God has been so good to me. You got to hear about this. And I realize that this is, this is, this is scary for a lot of you. And so what we've, we've said over and over and over again Because this is so scary, let's partner together. And here's what you do. You build relationships with your friends, your family, your coworker, the person at Publix, and then you invite them to church. In fact, we have invite cards on on every single one of your seats that look like this. It says, you are invited. It makes it really simple. You don't even have to talk. (laughs) They'll figure it out. They're sharp, I promise you. And then they'll turn it over and it says, everyone's welcome because nobody's perfect and anything's possible. And here's what I promise. Next weekend, we're beginning a brand new series called Your Best Self, and we're talking about mental health and what God has to say about it. And here's what I know. A lot of your friends, your family, and your coworkers, they're dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with fear. They're dealing with depression. And God has a lot to say about it. And he wants to help them. And he wants to use you to help them. And I promise you, the the moment you do this and you give that to somebody— it, it will change everything about your life because when you start to recognize what God has done for you, you won't be able to contain it. Last one is this. And we've talked about this a lot over the last couple of weeks and it's this idea of serving. And some of y'all are like, man, are you seriously hitting on this again? Yes, I am. I'm, I'm hitting on it again and, and here's why. Because so many of us want to leave a significant life. 
the pathway to significance begins in serving. Begins in serving. It's the model of Jesus. He said in Matthew 20, 28, he said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve by giving his life as a ransom for many. And as your pastor, there's something that I know about you. It's that I know you won't become all that God has called you to be until you realize what God has called you to do. And one of the things that God has called every one of us to do is to serve others. And I realize we're in a busy society. I realize that it's, it's chaotic and you go, well, I, I just don't have time. And I think it's going to be really, really difficult when we get to heaven and we're before the judgment seat, before a God who, poured, who broke his body and poured out his blood on the cross of Calvary to go, Jesus, I just didn't have an hour a week to give to you or an hour a month. I think that's going to be a hard dismount for us of like, I'm here, but I didn't do anything. And I don't really care where you serve. I don't care if you serve in the church or outside the church. I just know that it's important to you. Because I don't want something from you. I want something for you because here's what you'll discover. You think, well, if I give that, if I give that time, I'll be deprived. But here's what you learn. People who serve, you, th you would think at the end of serving that they would be tired. But they're not tired. They're They're invigorated. You would think that they would be grumpy, but they're, man, they're passionate. Why? Because the Bible says that he who refreshes others, themselves becomes refreshed. And so many of us are looking for a refreshment in our life, and we're thinking, well, if I can just get this, or I can do that, and I can do this. But that doesn't lead to refreshment. It leads to a yearning and a longing for more. And God says, I, I, I got the antidote, and it's the exact opposite of the way that you think. So if you, if you serve others, what's going to happen is, is I'm going to refresh you. When you refresh others, I'm going to refresh you. And here's what I know about so many of us. So many of us are looking for peace. So many of us are looking for life. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for significance. We're looking for our, our destiny. We're looking for, uh, God's, we're looking for God's voice. And, and, and we wonder why we don't ever experience all of the things that we hear other people experiencing about. It's because we've stayed on the bottom rung. We've stayed right here and we're, all we've got is the perspective of what we can see right inside, in front of our face. And if, if we would start to just do the things that God has called us to do and we would start to take the steps, all of a sudden what we would do is we'd start to experience a different perspective, a perspective from God's view where we're not looking at our situation based on being in the middle of it, but all of a sudden we've gotten above our situation and we can see that this situation isn't just gonna, is, is gonna only last a day because I can see tomorrow and the next day because God has given me a fresh vision in a fresh perspective on life because I've gotten to know him.
And now I'm following him, and he's changing everything for everybody. And I don't know where you're at on this journey. Maybe, maybe you're here, and, and you're doing some of these things. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Take your next step. Whatever that next step is for you, just take it. For others of you, maybe, maybe, maybe you haven't done any of these, and I would say, or you're right down here, all you've done is gotten saved. Don't try to do all of this. Just start, just start right here. Just start reading your Bible. And as you get good at reading your Bible and you get consistent in that, start confessing and repenting. Don't worry, doing this will cause this. And little by little, you'll see your life grow and become healthy and changing because Jesus isn't after your behavior. He's after your heart. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you that you're a God that meets us no matter where we're at. And some of us, we've been stuck on the ladder. I don't know if it's fear or if it's complacency or if it's our past. Has got us to a place where we said a prayer to accept you as our Savior, but we have never really made you our Lord where we want to know you and follow you. And God, today, I, I pray that you would give us the courage, that you would give us the strength, that you would give us the perseverance and the diligence to follow you with everything that we have, and we would take our next step no matter what it is. But I also know that maybe there's some people that are out there that have never taken the first step, and the first step is the most significant step. It's actually the hardest step. It's the step that says, I realize that my life is a mess. And I'm in need of a Savior. I'm in need of a God that would love me so much that would give his one and only son. That I need a relationship with the creator of the universe. And it begins by confessing with our lips and believing in our heart that Jesus is Lord. That he really came and did what he said he did. And maybe you're here and you need to take that first step. Or you need to take that step. Maybe you got off the ladder and you need to come back and get back on the ladder of following God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you here tonight, today, whether you're in Lighthouse Point or right here, if you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up. I'd love to pray a prayer. Yes, I see you back there. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, I see you. If you'll pray this prayer in your heart as I pray aloud, say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for meeting me in the middle of my life. And loving me so much that you would send your one and only son, Jesus, to die a sinner's death on the, death, on the cross, the cross of Calvary, the death that I deserve. I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present by coming into my heart and taking over my life. I surrender my will. I surrender my way. Secure my future. Fill me with your love, your joy, your peace, your patience, your presence. All the days of my life, Jesus, I love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen.